fourth and third, and uh, gun policy was next and immigration was last. But most people said uh, inflation or abortion. And uh, whereas Warnock, I'm sorry, whereas Walker got, I'm sorry, may start again. Warnock, the Democrat, got 20% of the white vote. He got 44% of white college-educated women. Wow. So basically he won because of abortion. Well, let me ask you something, um, Dick, if I may. Uh, This issue about abortion is across the entire country. And unless I'm confused, it seems to me that women still have plenty of options for abortion, at least up to a certain term. And this is going to continue to haunt the election if we don't explain the issue more carefully. I felt what was happening was that it was an issue that was being dodged, avoided, not discussed in detail. We need to re-educate the female population and let them know they do have options. We're not making them criminals. Um, this is a state issue now rather than a national issue. I think we did a poor job of explaining that issue of abortion. What you, do you you're think? exactly right. You're exactly right. In fact, during the campaign, I called a bunch of candidates like Zeldin in New York and I persuaded him to run an ad in New York that said, I cannot and I will not change the New York law on abortion. Abortion's legal in New York, and it'll remain so, even if I'm elected governor. And uh, I persuaded um, um, the woman in uh, Dixon in uh, Michigan to do the same yes. thing, and uh, Masters in Arizona. So I agree completely with what you said. We never told voters except when we were able to, except when I was able to, you know, get people to do it. We never told voters that this would not affect abortion for you, that this was something that would affect other people, but not necessarily uh, definitively, that you had choices. And I agree with you completely. Um, I wonder, though, if the issue will remain or if the practical experience that women have and their friends have of being able to get abortions will dull the impact of the issue. What do you think about that? You know, I don't think the issue is going to be dulled. I think it's an issue that needs to be confronted. You know, I am someone who's had three abortions when I was young. When I was young, I had no clue of what was going on inside of my body. You know, I I thought there was some little blob in there and we would just erase the board. I'm a strict Christian and now I am horrified that I did that in my youth. Even as grown adult women, we're not not well educated about what's going on in the womb. And I think we have to do politically to save ourselves Mm -hmm. from this very terrifying issue is to educate women. Um, yes. Let them know yes. that they have options, and early uh, abortions are almost always permissible, but we have to educate them on what's going on in the womb and what other alternatives mm-hmm. they have to prevent pregnancy. 
And we can't just shove this issue in the closet and not discuss it. We have to reteach young women because those young women are lethal. Yeah. You know, they're very that's, sexually that active, is, and they don't want to that lose so, that, op- that, that option to get an abortion if they want one. That is so, so accurate. So interesting. Other ways yeah. to prevent unwanted pregnancies. So, 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 Dick, um, she brings up some interesting points, but break these down a little bit more because you've got you, you you've got all sorts of people you've talked to and everything through this whole cycle. Well, first of all, I think the key point is is important. It's the central point of the column that I'm going to write. Yes, which is that abortion is why we lost Georgia, and uh, and we have to, and all the other theories that it was Trump derangement or that Warnock was had too many abortions himself, his wife, his girlfriend, I mean, and that uh, there were all kinds of other distractions. Didn't really matter. What mattered was the uh, court decision. Had the Supreme Court not thrown out Roe, there's no doubt that we would have won Georgia and most of the other races. So that's that's the first point. Now, the other point that I've been making all over the place, and I make at length in my book, uh, The Return, the reason Republicans are losing all of these close Senate elections and government elections is because they have not taught the, their people how to vote. Yes. In 2020, the Democrats changed the whole way people vote. Uh, not no longer on election day, but early. No longer in person, but mail in, uh, and uh, and the and people, the Democratic voters have learned that, but Republican voters refuse to do that. Probably because they're afraid of fraud, but more likely just because they're habituated to voting on election day. So what went on in all these states is we go into election day with a gigantic deficit. Uh, Walker went into election day behind Warnock by 243,000 votes. How the hell are you going to make that up in one day? Uh, in Pennsylvania, Oz went into Election Day with 700,000 votes for Fetterman and only 100,000 for Oz. You can't win in the face of those deficits. Yes. And the problem is that the Republicans did not tell their people vote early and vote by mail. And let me just break that down. I had a long conversation with a guy named Joe Carroll, who I've come to love, who's the Republican leader in Nassau County on Long Island in New York. And he flipped two congressional seats in his county. Two of the nine we flipped nationally. And the way he did it was early voting. He told his people, we have a 10-day early voting window in New York. Be sure to vote. Be sure to vote early. And each day he got a report from the elections people of who had voted that day. And he found who was favorable to us who had not voted. And they all got a phone call. And if in a few days they hadn't voted, they all got a visit. And if they still hadn't voted, we stalked them and camped on their doorstep. <laughs> and, and, the, uh, and, and the Democrats, that's the playbook the Democrats used. That's how they won these elections. And Republicans, in the meantime, said, you can vote on election day. Don't worry about it. And uh, when we called them at three in the afternoon, they hadn't voted yet. All we could do was beg them to vote. But over a 10-day period, the Democrats would have gotten the vote. And 
Also, the Democrats used this for voter suppression. They went into Arizona and other states, and they they, they controlled the election machinery because Hobbs was the Secretary of State. So the printers ran out of ink, the tabulating machine jammed, and they didn't care because the Republicans, the Democrats had already voted. The people online were Republicans. And if the lines lengthened and got to be two and three hours, wow. the Democrats didn't care. They loved it. It's a form of voter suppression. In oh, fact, 5,000 people in Arizona. Let me, let me just say this. Yeah, Five, yeah go, go ahead, Dick. 5,000 5, people in Arizona signed in to vote and never voted. They took one look at the lines outside and they drove home. They said, I believe in Republicans, but I don't have two hours to spend voting. So that's the big point that I've been making. Vote the way the Democrats have pioneered. Don't cheat, don't forge, don't lie. But use the law that is currently on the books the way the Democrats have to win the election. And I don't believe that the defeats of 22 are symptomatic of a lousy message or Trump, Trump derangement or whatever. They're simply because we did not teach our people how to vote. Yeah. Sandra, go go ahead. Carrie Lake is fighting this. Is there any chance that she can turn this around, or is it hopeless? We can turn it around. First of all, Trump is going to win in 24, and we're going to carry the Senate. Um, The Senate, you know, this year, we had twice as many Republicans up as Democrats. So uh, we had a lot of our own targets, but not much to shoot at. There were only 11 Democrats. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't gain that many seats. But in 24, it's the other way around. There were about 22 Democratic targets and a 10, and 11 or 12 Republican targets. So I think we're going to do well. And I'm positive, and I write it in my book, that Trump is going to win this election. Um, if for no other reason, in the book I talk about the qualifications and his record as president, and you can say I did all this already, and it's just Biden screwed it up. But there's another factor, which I think is overwhelming. The unemployment that's coming, the layoffs that are coming, are going to absolutely dominate politics. It's like you ask somebody in 1932, who won the election, Hoover or Roosevelt? I don't know. It'll be close. The hell it was. It was the landslide because in the middle of the Great Depression, nobody was going to vote for the incumbent. And I think that's the situation Biden and Trump will be in in 24. Fantastic. Well, we shall see. Things are not looking good for the economy at the at the moment. Yeah. Um, and they, I, I and they won't because the only way to tame inflation is through a depression. Wow. Dick Morris with us today. I mean, mean, that's obvious. The depression, the the inflation is because you have too much money out there. And uh, buying power is too intense. And uh, it's driving up prices. Uh, Too too much money chasing too few goods. Classical formulation. And uh, what is going to happen is that the Fed is continuing to raise interest rates. Nobody will be able to borrow money to buy a car. Nobody will be able to get a mortgage to buy a house. Nobody will be able to get a home improvement loan. 
or buy stuff on their credit cards, and that'll increasingly die out, and unemployment is going to mount. And this is the inevitable consequence of Biden's election, Biden's decision to spend two trillion dollars, which we didn't have to spend, uh, that overheated the economy. And um, he's going to—they'll come home to roost in twenty-four. Dick, let me ask you a question. I have a home in Florida, in St. Pete Beach, and I have a home in Ohio, uh, the Cleveland right. area. And well, you're covered in both. You're Republican in both places. Yeah. <laughs> both. yeah. And DeSantis, you know, when I'm in Florida, they adore this man. They really love DeSantis. What yeah. is your opinion about um, his position with Trump, I have a fantasy, which may be just my female ridiculousness, but I think DeSantis should run with Trump and that they should, they have a lot. The problem with that is, the problem with that is it's illegal. It's illegal. Uh, The Constitution says that electors cannot vote for their home state candidates for both president and vice president. Oh, really? For president but they can't vote for the ticket. So if that happened, Trump would have to register in New York, and uh, there are legal problems with that, and uh, and you, you, you can't do it. They'd have to run from different states. Um, but let me say this about your basic question. Uh, Trump, uh, DeSantis is a very promising guy, and he's done some wonderful things. But, you know, how do we know if he can control inflation? How do we know if he can stand up to Russia and China? How do we know if he can negotiate trade deals that keep manufacturing jobs at home? He's never done any of that, and Trump has. And uh, you need to go with the guy whose record indicates that he can do this kind of stuff. Well, that makes sense. He's enormously popular in Florida. And a yeah. lot of people aren't thinking the way you're thinking. And Trump no, is going through that... a time now where he's getting so much criticism. They're terrified of him on the opposite side of the aisle. He yeah. is a real which is why there's the criticism. Yeah, oh, which is God, why there's the criticism. We can't let the Democrats choose our candidates for us, is what it boils down to. Yes. So listen, <laughs> I love that you read my book and... I hope everybody emulates you, <laughs> and I love talking to you. I learned, I learned a lot about abortion in this discussion. I'm gonna, it's really gonna influence my thinking, because I just got this data from Georgia, yes. just a few moments ago, and it basically says you cannot ignore abortion. Abortion is the biggest issue, and it's the reason we lost. The last election, you were precisely right. That if they know the facts, yep, you got to get that. They know the facts. We're winning. Women that they are cared about and and re-educate women. You know, what are their other options? I agree completely. Well, Dick, uh, but but before before we let you go, Dick, um, how do we get the book and get in touch with you and everything? You. uh, you go to, uh, I haven't been banned yet. <laughs> uh, Amazon <laughs> still sells my books. And uh, Barnes & Noble says, uh, airport bookstores don't because they work off the New York Times bestsellers list, which boycotts me, even though I've 
sold 110,000 copies and wow. more than most of the people on the list have. But, um, but you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and & Noble. And for me, go to dickmorris.com. And every single day, I do a video of the news of the day, an opinion about the news of the day. Uh, for example, the one I did this morning, you might want to check out. It explains how Biden is absolutely going to destroy your 401k accounts, mm. and uh, you should and you should get the hell out of those before he does it. I'll, I'll just summarize it briefly. The uh, Trump set up a policy in order that said that fund managers of 401ks had to consider only the rate of return to the investor in deciding where to invest the money the best return would get the most money. Biden's Labor Department just announced that in, in, by the end of January, when the comment period is over, they will impose a regulation saying that fund managers must also consider ESG, uh, environmental issues, social concerns, yep. and government. Yep. And therefore, they should make the investments based on whether it's a left-wing, crazy, woke operation or not and also whether they unionized or not. And uh, that's going to force low returns on 401ks. It's just going to devastate your accounts. Right now it's advisory. It's optional. But you know that they're going to make it mandatory and that they're going to criticize firms that don't do it and accountants are going to be scared to death and they'll go ahead and conform their investment policies. And it's a disaster coming down the pike. So anyway, Dick, do you if have you another... want to get that stuff every day, go to dickmorris.com. Fantastic. Do you have another book in the uh, works? Yeah, we can Why Trump to? Won. Yeah, Why Trump Won. Oh, <laughs> well, you're, you're very, very optimistic. <laughs> That's my well, next I book. I can't wait to read that one. That's awesome. Okay. Well, Dick, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. And uh, Sandra, uh, hang on. Uh, but Dick, th thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it's a pleasure it. Pleasure talking with there you. There he goes. Fantastic, Dick Morris. So, Sandra, um, what what did, what did you think of uh, Dick Morris and his assessments and everything? Well, he was he's very personable, and I was um, delighted that he. You know, he listened to what I had to say and and immediately with about alternatives to the problem, the abortion problem that has really, you know, we lost a lot of female votes, young females. All they can think about when they're young like that, you know, they're seniors in high school, they're in college, they're young business yep. women, they're at the peak of their sexual expression and you need to, you can't pretend this issue doesn't exist because they're terrified that they would be um, not, not be able to control the things that they wanted to control about birth control. But there are so many options. So we need to re-educate young women, not ignore the issue, but confront the issue, discuss it, be honest about it and open about it and relentless about re-educating young women. You know, those women could have made a very big difference in the election. And I thought, um, I thought Dick Morris also pointed out a lot of things that we need to do. We should have won. We should have won in yes. many places where we didn't. We have to know who the enemy is. And we have to know 
how to fight the opponent. We had great candidates. We had a great success when we're in office. Um, but these people are political geniuses. I don't like what they think. I don't like what they do. But boy, do they know how to play the game and win. Well, it's Sandra, playing. Uh, before before I let you go, because we've got a break coming up, uh, how do we get your books and uh, and everything else? Well, I'm running into the same problem that Dick Morris is running into. They try to stop me, believe me. You can get the book at Barnes & Noble. But, um, you know, Amazon, Amazon puts a, a death, you know, on a lot of pro-Trump <laughs> stuff. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so I would say Barnes & Noble is your safe, safest bet. Well, that'll work. Well, Sandra, I will talk to you next week. Uh, thanks for making some time and uh, chatting with me and Dick Morris today. I really appreciate it, my friend. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And we'll I, will, uh, I will talk to you next week. Have yourself a wonderful week. There she goes, the great Sandra Lee. And we are going to do this. We are going to go to Larry Tracy, who is going to join us here in just a few seconds. The fantastic Larry Tracy. And uh, according to Skype, I chatted with him seven days ago, which I don't buy. I think it was, I, I, I think it was before then, but uh, who knows. But we are going to go to Larry Tracy. He is going to join us here in just a few seconds, and uh, we will chat with him about all sorts of different things. And uh, did I dial the right number? I think I dialed the right number. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hey, James. There we are. We've got Larry Tracy with us today, and of course, uh, Larry Tracy has Bring Home the Bacon, which is a fantastic book on public speaking. And uh, he joins us today here on our big program. And uh, we just wrapped up a uh, interesting interview with Dick Morris where uh, he says that his next book is uh, going to be about why Trump won the election. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what 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 when's, when's he going to write that book? <laughs> <laughs> what 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 do you think of this this midterm situation uh the other day with uh out there in Georgia? Well, I I felt it was going to wind up that way. I I didn't want to say anything. I hoped that Herschel Walker was going to pull it out. Uh, back when he was such a great running back for Georgia, I was working for a a major general who had two sons in Georgia at the time at the University of Georgia. So I was I was hearing that all the time about it. But uh, he he was not what you would call an ideal candidate. I'm surprised that he came so close. And it's it's so so very similar to the uh, election back in um, November. Uh, so uh, it's a bad thing. I, there were there were a couple of other candidates that I think would have been much better than, than he and perhaps would have done it. The, to me, the big problem back in November, and it's the same thing here, there was a lot of ticket splitting. Kemp got a lot of it. I mean, he ran up the score on uh, Stacey Abrams, but a lot of people voted for Trump but uh, did not vote for uh, for uh, Herschel. Yes. So, uh, and it's, it's a big deal because right now the Senate committees Instead of being 50-50 the way they've been, uh, they'll have, say, 12 Democrats and 10 Republicans. They'll, they'll be able to steamroller things through. And in the meantime, 
we've got the the Republicans in the House acting like spoiled little children uh, on this uh, thing as to whether they'll vote for McCarthy or not. So at a time that the Republicans need strong unity, uh, they, they just don't seem to have it. I hope they pull together and people like Newt Gingrich and others bang some heads together and say, listen, we've got we to gotta be united on this thing in order to, to do what the House should be able to do. But, but one other thing I'd point out, yes. James, once the... Um, once the hearings start with uh, uh, Jim Jordan and uh, Kimmer from uh, Kentucky, and they're going to be submitting subpoenas, they don't have any enforcement capability of, infor- of a subpoena. They send it to the Justice Department. Now, if you can trust the Garland Justice Department, I think they'll just go and say, you know, pound sand, we're not going to enforce these things. <laughs> so that, that's going to be... Uh, a real problem for them. They're going to have to go as public as they can, and and maybe they'll make some sort of deals with uh, Schumer over in the Senate. You know, put some pressure on on the Justice Department and and to get these things done. But I I, I think uh, we've got two years of absolute stalemate coming up now until yeah. November of twenty four. Yeah, and on that one, the the Democrats have the worst map you could ever imagine half of the senators almost half of the senators are up for re-election on the democratic side and 11 of them i believe are in states that were red or purple so the democrats could go and lose a whole bunch of seats and that means they're going to be desperate to get a lot of things done right now so we're in for um, interesting times in the next two years so, Larry, uh, another piece of business that happened fairly recently is uh, Zelensky out of uh, the Ukraine is the Time Life Person of the Year. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think well, about I, this? I think it's deserved. I, I think he's been a great leader, uh, a lot of publicity, though, the Churchill of his time. But there's going to have to be, I, I've, I've mentioned this repeatedly, I'm concerned that the equipment that we're sending to him, which is needed against what the Russians have, but is it being manufactured or is it coming out of our war stock? Is it coming out of, say, the the 1st Infantry Division in in Kansas, Uh, the HIMARS and the the Javelins and everything? Are they now understocked? They don't have it? Uh, This is not good. We could be... uh, producing a lot of American jobs by getting contracts to get more things, uh, more of those weapons manufactured. And I, we just don't know. There was to be a big uh, briefing of Congress either yesterday or today, and maybe that's one of the questions will come out on it. Are we uh, weakening ourselves by strengthening the Ukrainian army, which is now going to be in a artillery duel back and forth? The weather is going to be so cold. It's going to be uh, difficult uh, for, for the infantry type of fighting. So we're going to have that. And the the Russians may be running out of ammunition. I mentioned it last week. Maybe that's the way the war ends. Both sides run out. We don't have any more to send, and the Russians can't get any more from Iran and uh, North Korea. <laughs> that's, that, that's a strange way for a war to end. But the Russians, of course, are now just waging tremendous war on the uh, power grid of Ukraine, and they're knocking out the internet all over the country. So that, uh, that they're, 
Putin is just a miserable human being. <laughs> down to that. They can't uh, handle the Ukrainian army, but they can think they can defeat the uh, Ukrainians by putting tremendous pressure on their civilians. So, Larry, we've got Larry Tracy with us today. So, Larry, this whole thing with um, this basketball player uh, that was in Russia and now she's being freed because Biden is trading a prisoner or something? What, yeah, what, 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 what do you make this, of all this? this? Guy, he's, he's a bad, bad guy. He's uh, known as the measure, the merchant of death. I mean, he is uh, really looking to, when he, when he was finally... Uh, captured and tricked into uh, giving up by the DEA agents uh, a few years ago. Uh, they they tempted him by saying, well, with this, you'll be able to blow the heads off of U.S. pilots. And the guy said, yeah, that's what I really want to do. And then they told him who they were, and he was arrested. Uh, the Marine that is left there, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of Marine friends. And, uh, yes, he's an American citizen. He's been charged with espionage, which is pretty foolish. Uh, but he he's not... How can I say this? He's not the epitome of the U.S. Marine Corps. He was discharged on a bad conduct discharge. He embezzled like 10000 bucks. But he is in a different category than the basketball player, Griner. She was arrested because of carrying drugs. He was arrested on drummed-up charges of being uh, involved in espionage. So they said no to that, whether we're going to continue. I mean, no matter how bad the guy is, He's an American, and he's in terrible conditions by the so by the uh, Russians. So, I hope there is still some work going on to get him out. I don't know who else we have that we can trade, uh, but I'm I'm certainly <laughs> hoping that they don't just just disregard him over there. He's 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 it's, I think it's four years he's been a prisoner right now, and his family is upset that he wasn't included in it, but. He and Griner were different charges, drugs versus espionage. There's two separate categories. So the uh, the Russians are going to want to get a really good deal, and we don't know what that'll be. But don't 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 hold him up that he's the equivalent of Chesty Poor, the great Marine general. He's 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 not an ideal Marine in any way. And a lot of a lot of my Marine friends are are sympathetic to him as a human being. But they said, you know, don't bring this stuff up about him being a great Marine. We have got uh, Larry Tracy with us today. So, Larry, as we wrap up here with you, uh, what what are what are some of the big stories come, that you see? Well, I, I still think the big thing is going to be the uh, Republicans coming together in some way to uh, elect McCarthy as the Speaker of the House and then get on with these hearings in January. And uh, one thing, the uh, what's his name, Biggs, the the one who ran against him and was beaten, 188 to 31. He, I did see a little sound clip uh, in which he said, "Hey, the point is, we're not going to elect a Democrat speaker." So I think at the last minute he's going to pull out and they're going to back McCarthy. Um, I'm not sure whether the Republicans have 221 or 222. The total right now is 434 because of the. Democrat congressman that died after the election, uh, but if the re, if the Republicans have 221 and the Democrats have uh, 213, these five that have said they'll never vote for McCarthy, they could vote present, and McCarthy could still get the vote. And so I think there'll be some change and a lot of and, and I I 
and much more in favor of, of the uh, the guy from Arizona that, that lost. I'm blanking out on his name right now. Uh, but um, he's got to come together, and the Republicans have to be united in this thing so that they can use all of their leverage that they can to stop as much of the Biden operation during the next two years. Because look at that. I go back to that point. Look at that map of the Democrats. They're defending 23 seats in a lot of them in purple and red states. The Republicans are defending only 10. Every one of those are in a red state. So the Republicans won't lose any seats, and the Democrats could lose between five and six, including uh, Tester in Montana, Manchin in West Virginia, and Brown in Ohio. So there's there's three that they're uh, pretty well going to lose, or they the guys are not going to run. Republicans will pick up at least three. So if the Republicans can sort of hold the fort and fight a, a delaying battle until 2024, and then of course it depends on who is the re- Republican candidate. Uh, Dick Morris, I know, is very very much in favor of Trump. His one book is called yes. The Return. And yeah. now the next book is, what is it, How Trump Won? Yes, how, <laughs> that's <laughs> well, what he said. We'll see how that will be. I mean, the Republicans have some some great candidates. It can be DeSantis, uh, Cruz, Cotton, even the governor here in Virginia. There's really sounds about him, uh, Yunkin. He, he may be a I see a lot of stuff about him possibly running. and Yeah, yeah, he hasn't so. said it uh, Hogan, the former Republican governor of of my state here now, Maryland, has hinted about it. Well, he doesn't have a chance of doing it. No Republican is going to vote for him on it. So, but Yunkin is a possibility, a fresh face. That may be the way to go. Well, Larry, I really appreciate your time, and uh, I will talk to you next Thursday. Thank you, sir. Okay, James, thank you. Thank you, my friend. There he goes. That's Larry Tracy. Bring home the bacon. That is the latest from him. And uh, go check it out on Amazon. So we are going to do this. We are going to go to uh, our guest. Dr. Sal is going to be with us here in just a few seconds. And uh, we will get him on Skype. And uh, I think we've got Dr. Sal with us today. We have had quite the... uh, Quite the lineup of guests today. We've had Dick Morris, and now we've got our good friend Dr. Sal with us today. How are you, sir? I don't know if he can hear us or not. I can hear you. There we are. Okay, good. Uh, (laughs) Good. I was monitoring the show and had to get rid of one so I could do the other. Well, Dr. Sal, you... um, are amazing. Uh, Senior Science Advisor to the Men's Health Network, uh, past chair and chair emeritus of the American Public Health Association. Uh, You have done all sorts of things in in the world of medicine and everything. What do you think about this latest situation with uh, Fauci saying to leave politics out of the COVID origin investigation? What do you think about this, my friend? I think that's a very smart thing to say. Now, let's see if that can be done by Dr. Fauci, who politicized it in the first place. <laughs> uh, you know, one of I have a lot of very, very wonderful, esteemed colleagues at all yeah. levels in the public health community. Uh, and many of them remind me all the time that this is not local Dr. Joe's office 
or Dr. Jane's office. Yep. This is a bureaucracy that helps and handles healthcare matters and not on an individual basis where you have a doctor or nurse or pharmacist talking with a patient and making a, a guided joint decision about how to treat. This is population health where bureaucrats decide on policies and population-based approaches based on many, many factors. And this is where my friends advise me. And the most important is who is the administration and what is their philosophy and their policies at the time? Because we work for them. So yes. I think, unfortunately, it's a little, uh, it's very wise for Dr. Fauci, uh, who's had a long career uh, in public service, working for many administrations. Yes. Very wise for him to say politics should be left out. But I do wonder why that didn't happen while he was in the in the thick of it. You know, <laughs> I, I often have wondered that. I, well, maybe you should invite him on. Maybe you'll be on the program. <laughs> oh, I don't think I don't think anybody's going to be talking to Doctor Fauci anytime soon. Um, I'd probably be talking with him. <laughs> so, so Doctor Sal, you you have seen all the various things uh, through this whole COVID process. Um, what what do you think COVID is eventually going to be? Is it going to be eventually just like the cold? Everybody gets it every year. Is that kind of what it's going to be? Yeah, I, I do think that it is going to be like, I wouldn't say a cold. I'd be a little more specific, a seasonal flu. Yeah. I think it'll be a non-seasonal flu-like scenario that can occur over periods of time. Uh, and we'll have pockets of it. So that means it's moved from the pandemic to the endemic stage, which is what we heard very early on in the uh, when we were talking in the, in the Trump administration, we're going to see pockets of uh, uh, outbreaks, which we can contain and manage, uh, rather than global population outbreaks, which are unmanageable. So, yeah, you know, I, we're in flu season now, flu 22, we like to call it. Uh, and yeah. one of the things folks don't realize is that some of the, the, the flu vaccine that everybody should be thinking about getting, and I urge people to get it, but make up your own mind, folks. Yeah. is that the flu vaccine we get now is a combination of different variants of that flu virus and the H1N1 virus. And some of it even dates back to the 1918-1919 Spanish flu world pandemic. So wow. we have a little bit of that in the vaccine now because once these viruses get into the microbiologic ecosystem of the world, they just don't disappear overnight. We yeah. should know that just looking at other horrible diseases like polio and smallpox and other things, which every now and then raise their heads. So, yeah, it's going to be around. We have to control it. I think we'll have vaccinations every year uh, that I think will be adequate to cover the vast majority of individuals. I think we have special cases in young children, which may or may not need to be vaccinated, and special cases in older folks, such as uh, yours truly, uh, who probably need to be vaccinated maybe a little bit more frequently than every year, depending on where you live and what your lifestyle is. And immunologically compromised individuals who have to be careful across the board. So, yeah, it's going to be with us for a while. Uh, you shouldn't be hostile to the vaccines. They didn't live up to the aspirational claim that they are going to stop the spread of the virus. Yeah. And that's a shame. We didn't know that until we gave it a shot. 
And uh, we do have these very helpful things now that have saved millions of lives and millions of hospitalizations. Yes, yes, yes. We have got uh, the fantastic Dr. Sal with us today, and he joins us live here on our big broadcast. So uh, what are some of the major stories that uh, the Men's Health Network has been following that, uh, that folks need to know about? Well, certainly, as I alluded to, it's flu season. Uh, we have a campaign, both at Men's Health Network and Healthy Men, Inc., which is another organization uh, I helped found. Uh, just about a year ago to help make the healthcare system more guy-friendly. Uh, but we're following the flu 22 season. And what we're, what we're seeing now uh, is that the, the flu season in the Southern Hemisphere, which starts around January and runs through around March, or I should say July, uh, was much earlier peaking and much more severe. In fact, the, the Australian government says more severe flu season since 2017. And unfortunately, we're seeing that playing out now in the U.S. Now, certainly for the vast majority of people, especially young ones, uh, flu is something that you get. It makes you miserable. You got to stay home. Yeah. Your kids have to stay home and you have to stay home. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, and but for older individuals, individuals who have underlying health conditions, particularly cardiovascular conditions, heart conditions, and lung conditions, it can be very dangerous. So we do urge people to talk with your doctor, talk with the pharmacist, talk with a nurse, someone in your community who knows you, your healthcare system, and make a decision, a conscious decision about getting the flu shot. It's not, it's not something you should summarily dismiss out of hand, but it's something very important to take a look at. Fantastic. The other issue we're following is yes. depression and suicide in men. Oh, really? And, you know, the, the the suicide rate in men is going up dramatically, and it's a, it's a national disgrace. The, the number of suicides that we see in males uh, is four times that of what we see in, in women. Yes. Over 75% of the men who commit suicide in the U.S. have never, ever had a diagnosis of, a, of, a, of depression or any other mental health condition. Uh, we're also seeing it being exacerbated, made worse, if you will, because of the phenomenon of long COVID. Long COVID now is leading to uh, an awful lot of depression, particularly a recent study was released that the depression rate in individuals who had had depression prior to COVID and had been in remission, been just fine, but the depression rate increased in those individuals with a prior history has been dramatic, almost six times what you normally would see. So we're also seeing wow. the side effects from COVID, what most people are calling long COVID, uh, very uh, aggressively uh, impacting uh, society in general. Men, because they very rarely talk about depression or mental health, but across the board, long COVID is, I think, one of those sleeper conditions that people have to be cognizant of and folks, when you go for your next checkup, if your doctor or the nurse you're seeing doesn't ask you if you've had COVID and you've had COVID, please tell them. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Yes. A lot of people don't want to mention it. My daughter says, oh, I don't want anybody to know that we had COVID. They might not want to be around me. It's kind of like, <laughs> this is my daughter. That's not good thinking. You need to let your provider know that you have long COVID because we're seeing these very subtle changes in heart, 
kidney and mental yes. uh, uh, conditions that are associated with this virus just sort of sequestering in tissues and never really fully clearing. It's, it's almost the phenomena that we see uh, with uh, uh, the, uh, the ticks, you know. Yes. Uh, Lyme's disease is one of those things where the yes. virus gets in you and it causes these long-term effects that just wax and wane. So, you know, if you have had it, tell your doctor so they can be alert. That's awesome. Well, Dr. Sal, before we let you go, how do people get in touch with you online and everywhere else? Well, two places. If you want great information, including 10 myths and facts for guys about flu, go to our site, healthymen.org, and go to our uh, Man Up to Flu 22. And for a lot of really wonderful general information about the health of men and boys and those who love them, go to www.menshealthnetwork.org. Two great places for information. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Sal, have yourself a good Christmas. Happy holidays, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Anytime I can be back on, be happy to. Appreciate you have it, a great holiday Appreciate it. There he goes, the fantastic Dr. Sal. He joins us today here on our big, big broadcast. So that wraps it up here from this edition. My thanks to Dick Morris, the amazing Sandra Lee. Of course, also... Larry Tracy and Dr. Sal ending our broadcast day here. So that is that. We need Christmas music. That's what we need. There we go.